Thought Bubble Audio. Hey guys, before we start today's show, just want to say a quick hello. This is Frank. This is Tim. Want to say a quick shout out to our first patron of the month over on patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio. Uh, thanks to Michelle C. She's not just a listener uh, to Thought Bubble shows, but she's an awesome person by supporting us over on Patreon. She's also the host of her very own podcast. Oh. You can check out hashtag TV Geek on iTunes to hear Michelle and her friends talk about their favorite shows. Uh, people who listen to Supergirl TV Talk or Beer with Geeks in particular uh, might find episode one of her podcast especially interesting because they cover the Arrowverse and they gave Supergirl TV Talk a shout out in that episode. Cool. Uh, but there are other episodes about Game of Thrones, Gotham, a bunch of others. So check them out. Oh, I love me some Gotham and some Game of Thrones. And some, some two Got things that you ham. do. Yeah, yeah. Some two things that you. I, that's a dumb joke. It, it, well, yeah. That's a, I've, but, never, I've never liked that joke. Well, I do. So do I go up to you and be like, met Rop? Polis. No, because that's not that's not how no. Because like Ropolis is not a word on its own, but ham is. Oh, I see. It's still not funny. Yeah, okay. Well, I just was trying to make it see like G Game of Thrones got and then Gotham. It has the got the got and it all got never mind. Okay. Um yeah. So she okay. they Michelle and her friends talk about some awesome stuff. So whether you like Academy Rewind or Beer with Geeks or Supergirl TV Talk, there's something there for you. So uh check out hashtag TV Geek. Uh, and thank you guys for checking out patreon.com slash audio. Thank you to Michelle, our patron of the month, for doing that because uh, you make it possible for us to stay loud, live, and independent, as they say. And by backing us at, at, at any level from a dollar all the way up, uh, you are making these shows possible. You are making new shows possible we have in the works. You're making bonus episodes and and you're getting access to early uh, content, early episodes before they come out to the rest of the world. Uh, so thank you to, get, to all of you guys for doing that. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Academy Rewind, where we take a look back at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is 1979's Best Palmer. How are you today? Oh, that was a tough year. It was a tough year? I almost lost. You, Yeah, but you know what? You pulled through in the end. What did you wait? What did you lose? What are we talking about? I almost lost Best Palmer for that year. Oh, I know. Well, you know what? But you, you still won it in the end. Apparently, I'm obnoxious and dislike. Did you know that? Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't heard. <laughs> yeah. That movie came out in 1972. Oh, so. come on, 73. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, if you if you've never come to the show before, um, why Palmer, not? Palmer and I, Palmer and I take we're uh, we're taking a look and we're going through all previous. Uh, previous Academy Award nominees uh, through the decades. This year, we are starting on 1979. Woo! 1979. Our movies are Midnight Express, Coming Home, Heaven Can Wait, An Unmarried Woman, and The Deer Hunter. Yes. Do you want to take a gander about which film won Best Picture? Um, hmm, that is a good question. I would probably say The Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter is correct. It yeah. was, in fact, The Deer Hunter that won Best Picture. The Academy loves a good war-ish movie. A war-ish movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. It loves pathos. Although a lot of these movies had pathos, one could argue. A couple of these movies had anonymity, too. It's the first time I ever heard of Unmarried Woman or Coming Home. <laughs> yeah, they were also hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting, this, was the first, this was the first year I was like, oh, no. Like, How do I get these movies? Like, come I on, really streaming. Don't wanna, I really don't want to like go to the library <laughs> and like like borrow a VHS tape <laughs> uh, and a VHS option. player. 
Yeah, actually, I have one actually ah, okay. in my closet. Actually, so let's start with let's start with Midnight Express. Okay. Um, as soon as I do this one thing that nobody cares about, but I do. There. Okay. Now I'm done. Um, let's start with let's start with Midnight Express. Yes. Let's start with Midnight Express. Um, directed by Alan Parker, written by Oliver Stone, uh, and starring Brad Davis Rand. Uh, Brad Davis, Randy Quaid, and John Hurt. Yes. Um, the director, oddly enough, uh, also directed um, Mississippi Burning. Yes. Actually, there's a lot of that we're going to see. There's a, a few things. I might be this movie. He directed a couple other things, too, that I that I was going to mention, but it's just now down to Mississippi Burning because I've forgotten. Yeah. Um, um, and Anne Roth did coming. Anne Roth did uh, the costumes to Coming Home. Oh, okay. Uh, which is also in this, um, also in this lineup, and yeah. she did the costumes on Working Girl as well. Ah, nice. Yeah. And this is one of the first uh, Oliver Stone written movies. Yes, he was actually he was brought on. I was reading a tidbit about it. He was brought on with the full expectation of him doing a first draft, and the director was going to have to take over and do a bunch of rewrites. And they were like, "Oh, he he can actually write." We don't have to do that much. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Well, good for Oliver Stone. Yeah. And then he made more movies. He did. Many more movies. Some just as close to the truth as this movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so um so what's the so the story what's the story of this movie? What do you think the story was of this movie? Uh don't try and smuggle drugs. Basically, so it's based on a true story. Yes. Right? Um, We're going to put that in very large quotes. Sure. Sure. So, well, it's based, it's based on, it's based on um, a, a book, a memoir, which was an account, right. or an account of, of this man uh, played by, played by Brad Davis, who um, was trying to smuggle hash out of Turk out of Turkey, out of Istanbul. Correct. And he was caught at the airport, and so they threw him in to they threw him into prison. But the way that the prison system works is they basically would find reasons to keep him there as opposed to letting him out. Um, most of the international prisoners in there were trying to smuggle drugs across the border. Yeah. Um, and so he was kind. And so the movie is about him. The movie is about him in trying to survive um, this prison in Turkey. Yes. Um, I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was really good. I, mm -hmm. I had never seen it before. It was funny cause it was just, I was listening to something. I think I was listening to an interview with Edgar Wright about baby driver and he mentioned, and he, they, there was some passing comment and he was like, Oh, like midnight express. Okay. And I thought, Oh, well, you know, if I hadn't been doing this show, I would not have gotten the reference at yes. all. That is really all we're doing the show for is just to for us to understand cultural references. Yeah, is for us to watch movies that we would have been like, "Oh, really? That's a movie." Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so let's start. So the story here. Um, yes, I thought I thought it was I thought it was intriguing. I thought it was I thought it was sad mm -hmm. when it needed to be. It hit. It kind of hit the right notes. There are two things that stood out to me. One. Why am I feeling bad for a guy who's trying to smuggle drugs? That is actually number one. Like, you know, that is number one on my notes. Like, hard to feel sympathy for a criminal. Like, he knew what he was doing. He wasn't tricked into this. Sure. And, I mean, he does He does say right off the bat, like, I was just going to, 
I was just going to sell it to I was just going to sell it to my friends. Right. If he was a really good friend, he would have given it to them for free. Right. Um and and so like he's not like he's not like I'm not a mob boss or whatever. Or I'm not, yeah. you know, selling it to kids or whatever. It's just like for him and his friends to enjoy when he gets home. Right, right. So so he has that going for him, I guess. Um but the other flip side of it is like how much of this story is how much of it is embellished um, well that is that is my entire problem with the writing of this. I love Oliver Stone, do you oh, I do I love him so much oh um j f k is such a great film, okay what about um, Nixon Nixon is good uh natural born kill is not so much okay um and you did you like Snowden when we saw it? No, it's one of his few misses. Okay. Um, so the problem, a lot of the problem with this movie is you can always say that movies that say based on a true story is always like a loose adaptation of stuff. Well, sure, but that's, I don't, but if you want to watch the real story, watch a documentary. Right. Well, here's the issue is not only has the writer of the book come out kind of against this movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Not necessarily against this movie, um, but he has said that a lot of the prison scenes Mm -hmm. were largely made up for the movie. They don't actually appear in the book. So what's in the book? Um, A much more toned down version. This movie was was not shown in Turkey until I think... uh, even like the 2000s, I think is when it finally got shown in Turkey. This movie was kind of banned in Turkey because of how bad it makes the Turkish government, the Turkish penal system look. Oh, and yeah. Oliver Stone has even come out and apologized for this movie. Wow. Because when it came out, it did a lot of, it did a lot of damages to people not going to Turkey. Like people really? wouldn't go to Turkey because of this. And I'm like, well, if you're not smuggling drugs, you, you really don't. Right. You, there are all those other people who got on the plane and went home just fine. Right. Um, yeah. Including his wife. And to me, um, actually, funny, she wasn't there either. Like that was. He went on his own. He was there on his own. Yeah. I don't know if he was there on his own, but like that whole scene where he's like, oh, you know, you keep going and get on the plane and it'll be fine. Yeah. She's not even with him when he's trying to smuggle the drugs or when he gets caught. What? Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of changes. Um, so that's why I said like sometimes it's hard to, to um, separate the fact from fiction when you're trying to say based on a true story and when you're trying to make it feel real like this movie does. Yeah, okay. Um, That being said, I felt this movie is very much a product of its time. Um, I've never seen it before now, and I kept hearing, like, it's a very brutal film. You you know, you feel very unclean after watching it. And to me, this movie at this time probably does that. It probably would have made you feel like that, sure. But since then, all the movies that we've had since have kind of eclipsed it in a brutal in the brutal nature category. Like to me this movie seems a little bit tame. Sure. I mean there are certain without spoiling anything, there are certainly elements of this film that you still kinda would like, you know, flint you could flinch at or anything like that. But yeah. um but but you're I think but it it does lose some kind of timeless quality. Right. Which is what we're kind of exploring here on the podcast. Does the movie does the movie extend beyond yeah. its time? And I mean, this movie kind of spawned a bunch of 
uh, for lesser term, copycat movies. Um, there's a more updated version, Broke Down Palace, mm-hmm. with Claire Danes and Bill Pullman, I believe, as I'm the lawyer. I'm not sure I've lawyer. seen it. That I really like. Um, and that, to me, is a little bit more brutal than this. So is that what you're looking for in this, is brutality, though? I'm not, but like to me, this yes, there's some bad elements in this prison, but I don't see... It sounds bad when I say I didn't like I don't see this being worse than maybe most third world prisons. Like obviously this doesn't happen. Well sure, but I mean the, the movie's not like Midnight Express colon the worst prison in the world or what you know what I mean? No, but I think that's I thought that was kind of trying to make the point. Like he goes in for drugs and he gets subjected to all these horrors, which for one like you get to walk around the entire prison. Like there's scenes at night when people are sleeping and he's just like leisurely yeah. walking around the prison. Well, like, even when like at the beginning when he's like, I want a blanket and he just opens his door yeah. and goes to get a blanket. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I being in prison is, I is an unimaginable experience. So even just being able to walk around, like I'm like, that could be so much worse. You know, I had that thought too, for a lot of it. I was like, they're doing some stuff. He seems fine. Yeah. Um. But you know, we're we're getting hung up in one here. So does 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 Brad Davis sell the Billy Hayes that his his part? Uh, he does good, and he does the best with what he has to work with. Um, but there are times where like he kind of pours it on too much. I think so. Yeah, yeah. There were there were like two scenes that made me like go through because like John Hurt does really good. As he does really well in everything. Um, Randy Quaid does pretty good. It's before he went crazy. Yeah. Um, and then the main the main guy who does good most of the time has like a couple, like the scene uh, towards the last third of the film when he's fighting the prison snitch. Sure. And he's like jumping on the sinks and he's screaming at the top yeah, of his Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that kind of goes overboard a little actually it's, i see it's funny because that scene really worked for me because it was kind of he was kind of calm through most of it mm. and he kind of just like this was the point in like you he really just snapped and yeah he, like, it was his typical needed 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 to get out of there yeah but speaking of getting speaking of getting out of there mm-hmm. i thought was funny about this film so the film wraps up where like you know he he gets out and he's seen walking down the street, right. and then it goes to the he made it back home to JFK twenty four hours later or whatever. Yeah. And you you know you see the pictures of him like reuniting with his dad and his yeah. mom and uh, and his wife and all that stuff. What I thought was interesting if this was a if this movie was made now, we've gotten a whole thing about him getting chased to the airport and like just barely making it on. <laughs> you know, it's the fact that it just kind of cut and ended. Yeah, like so that was like the embellished part. So I think like parts in the prison were like you said were embellished, but. I think if this movie was made now, we would have gotten more, yeah. possibly. It would have been another half hour chasing at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I thought the music in this film was pretty. It was fine. It was unnoticeable, mm-hmm. um, except for like the random insertion of this of synth. We'd be like, well, it's funny because it it won that year for music, and it was the first movie. With a with a synth score, which it, to win, right? So, but I the it doesn't fit. It's like the one song is synth, and then the rest of them are not. Yeah, 
So I just, it's just like, it's a song that it just didn't feel like it belonged with the rest because it, did, it didn't have a progression follow through. So I thought it was weird that it won. Yeah. But what do you got? What do I know? Yeah. Obviously nothing. It's like you don't even do anything with music for a living. It's, it's not like my job or anything. Um, cinematography. I thought there were actually some really, I thought there's some really nice shots of Istanbul at the beginning. Yes. And then it all went away. Well, that's because it went into a prison. Sure, but I don't think they were. I don't think it was very. I don't think it was very creative in its in its use of the prison space. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it was, but most of the time I was kind of like, mm, "It's fine. It's there. Yeah. It's good, but it's not. Um, it's not great." Yeah, no, I I did really like the shots of Istanbul and the and the bazaar that they go to at the beginning. Um, and even throughout most of the movie, I like how the stuff is shot um, because you don't ever really, like, you don't notice the passage of time. Sure. And, and to me, that works for a prison movie because I can imagine that the same thing kind of happens days, in prison. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You know, like, there's there's only a few times that you know how how long he's been in there because they physically stayed it. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of the feeling at your prison, what I what scene I really thought was weird when his wife comes to visit him and the first thing he basically does is blubber and he's like, Take off your shirt. Yeah, so that's where that scene comes from. Like every every comedy in a prison now has that scene. I was like, Oh, that's that's the scene where it comes from. Yeah, because it was pretty awkward and funny then too. And like I get technically You're speaking not, it's I, not supposed to be funny. I, I just it felt so I know weird yeah yeah um especially since you know he's been hooking up with guys right exactly yeah exactly it's just in the 70s if you don't have random hookups in your movie you might as not have even made a movie or or nakedness for that matter yeah. we can talk about that when we talk about unmarried woman it's just like yeah. oh here's here's jill claiborne just changing like it's unnecessary it's completely unnecessary uh well we'll we'll talk about that when we get there okay um i thought I thought the for for the production design, I thought the the prison felt very gross, and I felt it felt real. I guess mm-hmm. as much as as much as it could. Um, yeah. Um, which so even even if parts of I don't even if say the parts of the story were em- embellished, mm-hmm. I feel like at least the production design felt authentic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it looked like a it looked like a very grimy prison. You know, it it did its job, you know. Yeah. It had, it had bars and it had prison guards. It had bars and prison guards. Yeah, it had Turkish Gandolfini. Oh, no. No. <laughs> yeah. He did look like James Gandolfini. Yes, oh, my. <laughs> um, the um, Costumes, I thought, for a movie that's in a prison where they're all basically wearing the same thing, I thought it was they were able to differentiate character looks and give yes. them some kind of... Yeah. Give them some kind of... Um, personality yeah um with them and that goes along with like hair and the hats and the yes exactly and I, so i thought john hurt's character had the most personality i guess yeah out of the look of any of those characters but um so overall i think i i really i actually really liked this movie i think it was i think i think the beginning and the end of the film kind of make up for a bit of it's meandering in the middle. Yeah. Because I think it's a really strong, uh, tense beginning and ending. And so... The heartbeat. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I would kind of agree. It's a good movie. I don't know if I would watch this one again. No, but how often do you um, really watch most Oscar films again? Well, it depends on the movie. Depends on the year, I Yeah, find. this is very true. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if I would ever watch it again. Um, the, the writing for all the faults of... The stars. The stars <laughs> and the... Uh, and the the trueness of it, I think the writing does a good job of what it tries to do, mm-hmm. even though I never quite feel the the problems with it. Okay, so what do you give it? I don't know, like four stars, five stars, four and a half stars, out three of 10? stars. Uh, out of I go out of sixty. Actually, I like random numbers. What do you your your rating system makes no sense? Yes, it literally makes no sense. That's the whole point. You're weird. I know what I mean. Plus, if I tell you the rating now, at the end, you'll never know which I think is best picture. Um, I guarantee you I don't think Midnight Express is your best picture. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we will. So how about coming home? Uh, I think we should finish the podcast first. No, I already am home. You're the one. that You're <laughs> you're the visitor here. Okay, so coming home with John Voight and Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Yes. And Bruce Dern. Don't yeah, forget Bruce oh, Dern. I love Bruce Dern. Um, directed by Hal Ashby, mm-hmm. um, written by Waldo, uh, Waldo Salt and Robert C. Jones. Um, so the story here is Jane Fonda's, Jane Fonda's husband is a captain in the military. Yep. He's going off to Vietnam. Um, and so she's just kind of, she's kind of learning to get along without him. And in the meantime, she reconnects with somebody she went to high school with named by, Named by Luke, played by John Voight, who is a disabled vet of the same war. And they kind of hit it off and have some kind of sordid affair while her husband is over in Nam. And yes. that's the story. Because that's how you know it's a 70s movie. Because there's an affair. Well, because there's Vietnam. <laughs> or there's Vietnam. Yeah. Hey, All... Vietnam was 57 to 75. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a long time period of American history to, you know, to not do stuff to something right. with. All right, so where do you want to start? Um, we'll start with the sto- we'll start with the story again since I just said what it was. Yeah, um, I thought it was good. I actually think the romance kind of hurt the story a bit. Yes, I I think it feels if, forced. It feels forced. I think if they had, if if John Voight and Jane Fonda had had an emotional connection, and they were and they they formed some kind of non sexual relationship in the mm-hmm. film. I think it would have had a better impact for Bruce Dern's character coming home afterwards and seeing that because like the I thought the last 20 minutes of this film were really good like yeah. his like discovery of their affair and, and how he reacts and how he, I thought yeah. that was really good um so yeah I, I I definitely see what you're saying I feel the I feel the romance is forced um this movie's just a shade over two hours. Yep. And while you see like the friendship building between Jane Fonda and uh and John Voigt, you never really feel like a romantic connection until they randomly just hook up. Yeah, I agree. One day she said well he you can feel it and on his. You can feel late. it on his end because he even explicitly tells her that, like, I spend all my day in the hospital thinking about having sex with you. You know, right? The seventies way, right? Um, and, um, and she's like, okay, thank you, goodbye. Um, we can still be friends, but no, thank you. Right. And then she goes 
to Hong Kong because her husband has leave for a week. That's where he. That's where they were. All right, because yeah. I, I might have been writing something, or I just quickly like took my eyes off the movie for like a minute, and she's with you know they're together. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, he came home already. And I knew what the like I knew what the movie was supposed to be. Like mm-hmm. I knew the movie she's supposed to have an affair. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. They haven't had an affair yet. And then like she go like she gives him a massage and he's like, Oh, did you do this with all the people in the hospital? And then she goes to have the affair. Yeah. And then he comes back and he's like, Oh, you got a house and a car. I'm like, Weren't you wait oh okay. Oh yeah, they because remember she runs in and she tells her friend Penelope Milford and uh, he's like, right. you know, they're they're away and she's like, I got a job, I can't go see my husband. And right. She runs like, okay, well, bye, <laughs> um, bye forever. Yeah. Um, and that that's like when that's when the division line came between them. Right. But this movie and the Deer Hunter were really about like what Vietnam did to people. Um, that's what both movies are essentially about. But whereas one movie is about like people trying to support that right. group. This movie is like, oh, you're weird and different now. I guess I'll just have an affair with you. I'll have an affair with somebody else who's, I guess, b- better adjusted than you. Which, is he really? Cause he's no, not, he's not. He's not a particularly nice person when we meet him. No, but he becomes a, a better person. He needed He needed. <laughs> he needed a compa- wheelchair. He needed that companionship. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love me some Bruce Dern. He's great. He he is really good in this movie where I don't feel anybody else is. I disagree. I thought Jane Fonda and John Voight blew it out of the water as they well they should have because they both won respectively that Did year. They? Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure I, I I'm not sure I would agree with those. Yeah, I think they were ve- I think they were very subtle and I think they paired off well together, which is why I think they both worked i did think in this film how much angelina jolie looks like her father though there were some scenes where yeah. i was like oh yeah you're related no question yeah. i guess my biggest problem is when i don't buy the romance to me that's the actor's fault sure i think their romance wasn't built off of like a cute like you know like oh, we both went for the oranges at the same time i guess we'll right. just be in love forever now but you they, know it should be yeah, that's but that's a romantic comedy. That's meet how you. Fall that's in not. Love. That's not a. a uh huh. Sure it is. Yeah. Um. And uh, that's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast <laughs> that you want to get into. Um. So I don't. I don't think so. That's not the kind of relationship that they had. Right. They did have a meet cute. A meet cute. She spilled his pee bag everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It was and, very and he funny. Yelled at her. It was very funny. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone in the theater um, was laughing. Good joke. <laughs> um so cinematography and production let's kind of roll bo- those. Both both are fine. I yeah. think the cinematography I think the first scene when everybody's playing pool yeah. actually was the best was the best scene in the film for that. I thought so too and I thought that was also the best writing. Yes. Because you had you had these vets talking about Vietnam at a time when at now you know Vietnam is now unpopular in the American culture, and I'm talking about like when this movie comes out, sure, like in the American culture, Vietnam is very unpopular, and they're discussing that unpopularity, and it's not so much you know whether you think the war is good or bad, but like the 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 
soldiers coming back, like you have to, you have to think the war was a good thing or for the right cause. Otherwise, how can you reconcile what you did? Right. I agree. I wow. agree. So that was like, my whole thing is the beginning of the movie is really good. And you're right. The last few minutes with when Bruce Dern comes back uh, and he finds out about the affair, really good. Mm-hmm. The middle to me kind of gets lost and kind of forces things where they don't fit. Uh, and the music is just horrible. I disagree. The music in this film was amazing. There were two Beatles songs in this movie. You can't do that anymore. Oh, you can. Not else you want to pay millions of dollars for each song. This was amazing. Nineteen to have Strawberry Fields and Hey Jude in this movie, but like unbelievable. But they don't do anything. Like, like the person who was in the person who was put in charge for a soundtrack basically just listened to a radio station and was like, we're doing all those, even though they don't fit in the movie. I disagree. I mean, the, the like just to take Strawberry Fields as an example, I mean, they, the, it's in there through the montage sequence of them literally like in their own Strawberry Field, like they're, they're very happy place, they're together in this, all this stuff. So I disagree. I think the, mu- I think the music fit very well. Uh, plus it had White Rabbit by Jefferson airplane or starship i don't know which one they were at the time sure but it's in every movie about drugs or the 70s ever this movie what year was this movie made 1978 that's right yeah actually it was made in 77 came out in 78 so obviously obviously this movie took a large hit in my ratings because of the music i liked the songs but i don't feel like the songs did anything Mm, i disagree i liked it um the the costumes i actually thought were pretty um, the costumes I actually thought were pretty decade neutral, but the yeah. hair was not. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, so I thought like you could, they were, this movie could in some ways take place almost in any time, except the hair was very, yeah. very 70s. Yeah. Yeah. They even make mention of it at one point where Jane Fonda starts to stop straightening her hair and it's, you know, it's the big, big 70s perm thing yeah and you know and she's it's like no i stopped straightening my hair it's all natural right. now i was like uh-huh yeah sure it is yeah i i definitely didn't sit in a chair for hours to get this mm-hmm. so overall i thought this movie was a great testament about war and human need and you know and reason and all these things and i thought the last 20 minutes were amazing particularly voight's speech to um bruce Dern. to no um uh, to the crowd, oh, to the, the to the kids, yeah, about like why he went over and what he is and yeah. why you should like. I thought that was really good. that was really good, and that's probably what wins him the Oscar, probably, um, probably because it was really well edited together. Yeah, um, I did think that the, I will say that the, the end of the movie. What happens right at the without spoiling? What happens at the end of the movie? The last the credit song and the font do not match the like melancholy right. tone of the the end of the movie. It's oh, like the wait, font's he, like that fun like romantic yeah. comedy cursive. Yeah, and it, it's like what what is happening? Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it it fit like it was cursive. It was very fun and whimsical, and he was you know getting naked to go kill himself in the water. I don't. Yeah, he committed suicide. Like that's what I thought. He definitely went to go commit suicide. Okay. So we're, yeah. we're on the same page with this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because like when he's doing that, I'm like, he's just going to go walk into the water and that's it. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Not a, yeah. Okay. Not a happy ending to the movie. No. All right. But speaking cool. of movies with happy endings. The Deer Hunter. 
I was going to say heaven can wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the deer hunter. Um, the, all there's so many alive deer at the end of that movie. <laughs> They're so happy. Well, they stopped hunting. Right. All right. So heaven can wait. Heaven can wait. Directed by Warren Beatty and Buck Henry. Um, Elaine, uh, written by Elaine May. I think it's, I can't read. I use a different pen and now I can't read my own writing. Um, I that and Warren Beatty starring Warren Beatty. James, edited by Warren Beatty, James Madison, Julie Christie, and Jack Warden. This movie was just okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie has a good concept. It has it has a fun concept. So the concept is that Warren Beatty plays this plays this uh, star quarterback. Yeah, uh, at the um, the Rams. The uh, yes, the Rams. The Rams. Um, he plays the quarterback of the Rams, and they are going to the Super Bowl. Not yet. Where they're. Just about to make it to the Super Bowl. They're just about to start the season. And he's going <laughs> to go to the Super Bowl. They're all about going to the Super Bowl. Spoiler, they go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and um, angels help them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, wait, wrong movie. No, no that's the sequel. <laughs> yeah, Angels in the Outfield. They all play baseball afterwards. <laughs> um, and he he's he's cares about his body and being fit and being in top condition and all this stuff. And he plays the saxophone badly and all this stuff. And... He gets hit by he's riding his bike and he gets hit by a car. Yeah. And he is pulled into heaven. But heaven kind of screwed up and they pulled him too early. He right. actually would have swerved and hit he would have swerved and been okay. Or he would at least survived. No, they actually he mentioned, they actually he say says he that it. he's like with somebody with that incredible reflexes, I would have swerved and right. it would have been okay. But the guy who pulled him in heaven was like, oh, it would have been real painful, so I pulled well, you yeah, just a it, second early. Yeah, it was his first day on the job. Right. And so basically, they can't give him his old body back. Because it got cremated. Right. Um, but they can um, put him in the body of somebody else that's recently deceased. And so so they they decide, everybody decides to get to go into this body of this um, millionaire Mongol who mm-hmm. um, was murdered by his wife and his business associate. Right. His secretary. Secretary, that's yeah. right. Who are having an affair. Right. And so it's just basically, it's like an out-of-body experience, yep. body swap kind of thing without with a one-sided swap. Yeah. And he just kind of does this thing and then buys the Rams and plays quarterback anyway and like well he doesn't get a chance to sure right but you understand what it, you yeah. understand what I mean um so that's the story yeah it was, it was cute it was fine I it was it was quirky and it all kind of came together and that's all well and fine but I couldn't it's every year there seems to be a movie where I go why were you nominated, nominated. for oh, best yeah. picture um I assume because Warren Beatty owns the Academy Awards. I don't think he does. Um, so th- the biggest problem I have is I like the concept. And I was really looking forward to this movie because I haven't watched it. Um, I was really looking forward to this movie because I'm like, oh, this concept could be so good. You know, they've done, they've kind of done it after the fact. Like there was sure. a Chris Rock version. Yes. Um so sure, like a lot this, of movies have done yeah. this before. Um, so I'm like, oh, this this could be so good. And it just wasn't. Like, to me, they they just kind of... They just kind of throw away the concept that could have this good comedic value to it. You know, that's funny. I think that the... I think it was missing... It had some very 
good comedic moments. It had like three good moments. And then the and then the rest of them were just okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I thought Warren Beatty was charming in it as he is in everything. He's yeah. al- he's always good, especially when he's like uh, yeah, uh, 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 sounds like yeah, that's yeah. good. Sounds like Warren Beatty. Um hold on. Dick Tracy's calling me. No wait, I'm <laughs> Dick Tracy. See ya. Um but every that everybody else was fine. They yeah. just they all serve they all served their purpose. It almost oddly felt like a movie meant for kids, but somehow is a movie for adults. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean. It feels like a 90s movie made in 1978. Yeah. Uh, Charles Grodin does, like, Charles Grodin to me is my favorite part of this movie. Charles Grodin was great. Yeah. Um, and, like, like, a couple of the scenes that are, like, that are, to me, the best scenes have him, like, when Warren Beatty like comes running into his wife's bedroom and is like, Hey, we don't love each other. You know, yeah. let's get a divorce. You don't love me. I don't love you. He's, let's get a divorce. And he's like, he's in the, he's uh, in the bed initially and he's he hears him coming down and he curtain. jumps in and he hides behind the I curtain. Think, and then he's like, Hey, Charles Grodin, I need you to call this person tomorrow. No problem, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Just by, she's like, why would you say that? He's yeah. like, he's very why compelling. would you answer? He's very compelling. <laughs> yeah. I, I did like that. But it was missing. And then doesn't More he like, like doesn't he come back in like after they try and kill him because he goes back to his room yes the and thing the falls head post falls yep. and he comes back in and isn't Grodin like go back behind the curtain yep, yep. <laughs> and he's like oh by the way I also need to talk to this person well, can you get this person here right. no problems <laughs> yeah <laughs> so good um, like that to me like that was the best sequence. and like I wanted more of that kind of slapstickiness in this. In it, this thing, it had because the that's poten- what it had the potential to be the slapstick nature of Clue, and it never got there, right? Because of and pretty much just because of the subject matter is why I was expecting this, mm-hmm. and you just never quite get it. Like you don't even even see like I don't think you get like the typical scene now in body swaps where you see like what the person actually looks you like. You never see what the other person looks like. You yeah. which I thought was kind of confusing. In some ways, because um, like, how old is this guy? Like, he's a millionaire. Like, how see, old? that's what that's what I always thought too. Like, is his wife a trophy wife? I is just, ca- I always kind of, I thought the guy would be older. Yeah, but I guess not. Um, and then you know, the end. He ends up not. You know, he ends up going to heaven anyway, and it was you know he. No, he. Well, no, he no, no. Gets the, put other, into the other, the other the quarterback, other, the other quarterback. It's yes, like because football time. is a dangerous sport, right? So the guy died after getting tackled, right? It's just, it's very strange. Yeah, this movie is about as bland as is any of the movies that we've watched. Like on my, because I do, I do the scales of one to ten for yeah. the categories. Mm-hmm. These hit all fives except acting, which I nudged up to a six. Yeah. Um, so just to run down, I guess then to run down the rest of them, cinematography, production design, the music, it was all cutesy. Yeah. It was fine. The music tied in with the tenor sax he was playing, which was fun. Um, um, the production design for heaven is classic fog, white clouds. Yep. I was wondering if that's the first time it's like, is that where that imagery comes from? Is this movie? But I don't think so. No. Cause you have, um, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Thank you. Nailed yeah. It. Okay. That's what I thought. Um. Yeah. So the so by that it's it's all also one of the one of the biggest problems I have with this, and you're gonna hear me say it again very soon, 
is, God, I hate 70s dialogue. Why? It just doesn't, like, it, it feels like they're trying to go so realistic. Like, it's such a natural conversation that people are having. Because that's the Robert, that's the style of Robert Altman. And mm-hmm. he doesn't have anything to do with this movie. But he had a very big effect on that's true. You don't like realistic here. dialogue. That's true. Why is that? Because it just, it doesn't feel real to me. But unrealistic dialogue doesn't feel real it's either. Kind of, it's kind of like, uh, what is what is it like with the, when you do the special effects and it's like, oh, ADR. look. No. No, look about? how realistic it is and it just doesn't oh, feel. It's the uncanny valley you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like it just doesn't feel real. Yeah, that, that's weird. I don't know. You're a strange person that way. I, I don't know why. It's like no, I don't like un- I don't like realistic dialogue in my movies but about I don't, realism. I don't think it is realistic. Yeah, like this is not dialogue I have with humans. But the dialogue you have with humans is also not what other dialogue people have. True. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's all it's all very down the middle. I will say that I did like you know because you know me and like to see I like to I like to see my my metaphors or my you know my symbolism. Yep. Um, He's wearing a gray suit when he dies. Um, um, so he's kind of like in between, right? He's not he's not heaven with the way. He's not black with the death or anything like that. He's in the gray. Yeah. So I liked that. Okay. He's a blank slate. Yeah. That's all I Just got. Just like this movie. Just like this movie. An Unmarried Woman. Yes. Um, directed by Paul Mazurki, starring Joe Claiborne and Alan Bates, M- Michael Murphy, Cliff Gorman, written by Paul Mazurki. Uh, this movie was a movie that I actually enjoyed more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this, this is one of the movies that I had never heard of before. I hadn't either. Um, um, so basic story is that Joe Claiborne is married for about oh, maybe 16, 16 years yeah. or so to a um, to her husband. They have one daughter, and the husband one day uh, says that, um, kind of breaks down and says that he's in love with another woman. Right. It's nobody that she's heard of. It's She's younger than she's younger. Then she is, she's 26 and a teacher, and they met while he was buying a shirt at Bloomingdale's, and... And so it's them getting a divorce, and it's Joe Claiborne kind of never being alone, and this right. is the first time she's really trying to figure it all out. And it's really just this woman's struggle from, I hang out with my friends, yeah, and I have a part-time job. Going. And I'm married, and we have sex twice a week, because it's the twice 70s. A, twice a day. No, it's that at least twice the, a week. At least twice a week, but the, in the movie, they have it twice in one day, in the morning and at night. No, he tries at night. And they still have sex. I don't think they do. I literally just watched this movie before you came over. Yeah, so did I. I promise you. Because she goes, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. And he goes, oh, fine. I have a headache anyway. And then they talk a little bit more. And then they get Randy and they turn the lights off while they're still getting Randy, implying Mm. that they had sex anyway. All right, if you say so. Yeah. But it's the 70s, so you know how many times they have sex. Twice a week, times 16 years. Um, I believe she had it pegged at roughly a thousand times they had sex. Okay, so this is actual dialogue from the movie. Yeah. Um. So. So the, so that's the basic story. I thought Joe Claiborne is really charming. Yes. And I think she does a great job, and I thought she did a great job at kind of kind of giving you an emotional range. I thought everyone in this movie actually felt like a real person. They all yeah. had three they all had three dimensions. Yeah, it was very uh, un-70s like. 
Yeah, in some <laughs> ways, yeah. Um, they there was a real progression, and there was a real progression of character for her. Mm-hmm. I thought not not everybody, but but her and her husband particularly. Yeah. I thought there was a real. I thought there was a real progression. Um, and I and I really and I really enjoyed and I really enjoyed all of that. Um, I thought it was a good study on the divorce process because of that, mm-hmm. and I think that this movie gets nominated because of. It's the a story that study. it's well, yes, but I think it gets nominated for the at the time for the material that it's telling. A movie like this, like there's movies like this all the time now, like you know what I mean, right? They, like it's complicated. Something's got to give, you know, like yeah. But it's a question of does it do it well? Like this movie well, does th- it really well. I agree. I think those other movies do it well too, but I think this is really the first of its kind. That's okay. what I mean, and I think that's what that's what steps it above. And I'm not saying that it, it's. It's just it's resting on that. Um, it's also it also does it really well. Yeah. But um, that would be like saying like Star Wars is the first of its kind, but I've seen other movies do it better. Like, yeah. you know, that's not that's not true. Um, like there are very few movies that do it better than Star Wars, you know. Yeah. So um, so I think so I think the movie has a lot. I think it has a lot going for it. But from from basically just those two categories, though. I think the rest of it actually kind of not really? falls to not falls to pieces by any stretch, but the rest of it is all then just serviceable. Okay. Like the, the music is fine, the cinematography is nothing special to to talk about except really? her little Swan Lake dance at the beginning really of the movie. It. I really like that. that. Yeah, I know you. I I've seen you dance Swan um, Lake before. So it's weird because like I felt um, I I actually really liked the music in this. I did too. Um, I liked I liked the theme, and I liked the actual songs they used because I felt like they had a purpose. Like when they're like when her her and her daughter are at the piano singing the Beatles song. Yeah. Um, is it maybe maybe I'm a man? Maybe I'm a woman. Yeah. I don't actually know the name of it. Um, but like that fits at that moment in time because she's trying to discover things about herself. And sure. It, okay. It fits with the theme of the song, but that's diegetic music, not non-diegetic music. Do you know what I mean by that? Your yes. blank stare says. Your blank stare <laughs> says you don't. Diegetic music is music that is incorporated into the film that the characters can hear or are playing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Non-diegetic is the opposite of that. They can't hear it. It's for the audience only. Well, they and can so, definitely hear it because they're singing. Well, it. right. But I don't. Unless it's a musical, you don't really. I don't count that the same way. That's just me because, like, it's that's a that like written. That's almost like a written into the script like piece of music, as right. opposed to the film being made and them deciding what pieces mm. of music okay. that come after it. Though that's not always the case. Baby yeah. Driver is a good example of that, where the music in the film was obviously. The the music in the film is meant to be there while they're filming. They make reference to it, mm-hmm. and then it plays, and the and the film is edited to the cut of each particular song. So it's all very kinetic, and it all works. It's uh, it all works together in tandem. Mm-hmm. This is just like we're gathered around the piano, and this is a song that fits thematically. Yeah. But I, I, I it's a, it sits a little bit differently. Um. So I really like her in this. Um. She. I really is, like you in this. Yeah. Me too. Mm. Um, she is really good in this movie. Joe Claiborne, you mean? Yes. Uh, I believe she should have actually won. She was nominated. She should have been. Screenplay, s- screenplay, best picture, best actress. Um, so I think she should have won. I thought she really drives this movie. Like, if she's not good, 
this movie crashes and burns agreed quickly agreed um because while her husband and her daughter are good mm-hmm. and like her friends are pretty good the rest of the male characters that you see are pretty samey you didn't like you thought alan bates was samey uh, the the painter the painter yeah, he was just like typical painter like there was nothing about him that sure. i haven't seen explored before that's that's true but i also think that he was a good um i also think that he was a he was just a, he was a nice guy and sometimes nice guys are hard to play with corks yes however i feel like um so the guy she goes on a date with right after they get divorced yeah that guy was not a nice guy um the guy, uh, her, her, the guy that she knew that we meet earlier on, who tries to get her to have an affair, mm-hmm. um, him that she ends up hooking up with later after the divorce, she hooks up with him. Yep, and it's kind of her first lay after the divorce. Sure, uh, and the painter. To me, all three end up kind of being the same kind of character. And the only differences you get in their character is the way she interacts with them. Okay, sure. Like, they all they all really like her. They all want to sleep with her. They definitely want to sleep with her because that is explored ad nauseum in this movie. Yes, it is. Um, and just, like, her, her reaction to that depends on what they do next. So she kind of pushes the first guy off to the side, like, I'm not ready you know, I just got out of this, you know, I just got out of my relationship. I'm not going to be dating yet. And he's like, okay. And then, like, he tries to be there for her. And then he goes in again. And then he kind of goes crazy. And she's like, all right, get the hell out of the cab. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second guy, she's like, hey, let's hook up. I've been single for a while. And then he kind of goes crazy when he's like, well, we're not going to be dating. And then, you know, even the painter... Like, wh- come come to Vermont with me for five months. I have a job. Yeah. Well, she does it, though. Like, everyone kind of wants to just rush her into the, the relationship. And she does her best to kind of stay at arm's which, length. Which is where I think this movie kind of triumphs over something, say, like, um, 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 shoot, not that, uh, coming home. Right. Which is like a forced, which feels like a forced yeah. relationship. Um. I agree. So, I mean, aside from that, like, I really like the overall look of this movie. Like, the visual shots, I really like because you can tell it takes place in a major city, but they don't overcrowd it. Like, there's people, people are doing stuff, but it's not like this one person in this crowd of, like, three million. We're sure, but I mean, in some ways, in some ways it should be that because it's New York in 1978. Mm. So in some ways it should be more crowded than it is, depending on the sections that she's living. But I mean, like her apartment is beautiful. Oh, I love that. Um, it was a great. It was a great apartment. Yeah. Um, but again, but like it all just feels very like okay. Here's here's an apartment. It's very nice looking. But you know, like if it if it doesn't fit thematically, yeah. I'm uninterested. Um, and that so it's kind of like that to me. Yeah, I I kind of see what you're saying. Um, I liked how everything was shot. I liked how everything looked. My my real only quarrel 
is at the very beginning when uh, the husband is looking at himself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. The mirror has yes, the yes, it has the little mirror edge. Face. Yes, it was weird. Yes, and I'm like, oh, like somebody should have caught that. Like, that was, it just doesn't look good. No, I I thought that too, and I was like, nope, no, that's not bad. I it's a bad idea. Um, also, I I definitely dislike I I dislike the painter just because of the giant ass painting he gives her at the end. Like, hey. That was kind of have, funny, have actually. I, I actually really liked yeah. that, where he was like, "Fine, you're not coming with me. Here's yeah. this awkwardly large <laughs> painting. You have no, you have nowhere to go with." <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. Um, so okay, so okay. that's so that's an unmarried woman. Last yeah. film, The Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter, the best picture winner for the year. Yes, S- uh, directed by uh, Michael Cimino, starring mm-hmm. Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, John Savage, and Meryl Streep. Yep. Was uh, John Savage was uh, the guy from The Godfather, Stevie. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the story is that there's these group of friends in a town in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and they all work at the steel mill. They all work at the steel mill factory because that's all anyone does in Pennsylvania. Because well, yeah, it's a coal mine. It's coal mining state, or was, and in steelworks. So, yeah. um, so they are all. So they all work there, and they hang out after they hang out together after work, and you know, and they get beers and they get drunk, and they're kind of buffoonish. You know, and then, but they're all going off to Vietnam. But it, not all of them. No, some of them right. are going off to. So the three of them that I, De Niro, Walken, and Savage are all going off to Vietnam. Um, Stevie, okay. Nick, and Mike. All right, so Savage wasn't the one I was thinking of. Okay. Okay. Um, so um, Savage is the one that got married. Right. I was thinking of Fredo from The Godfather. Oh, no, that's the not. The bald. No, that's. Um, Oh, I can't um Steve I can't I gotta look it up, I can't remember. Yeah. So um so the so the, the movie split into three the movie split into three parts. Um Yes it is. Um it's it's split into the, the first the first the first hour of the movie is pre Vietnam, the second hour is Vietnam, and the third is post Vietnam. Right. Um John Cazale. Okay. Um is who you're thinking of. Um and so the first half is like you getting to know them as people, as friends, and they're at Stevie's. The majority of the first act is at Stevie's wedding, right? It's, it's all lead them. up to his wedding and the right. Wedding. And basically, they're the bachelor party. Like they're going hunting, like they're going right. deer hunting one last time before they go all. They mm-hmm. all go off to war. You know, you see um, Nick and Mike's um, um, Christopher Walken, Robert De Niro's like little cabin and all that stuff in the woods, and they live together at home. And meanwhile, you know. Um, Meryl Streep is there and she gets beat up by the person that she's with and then so she goes to live at their home while they're at Nam, and all this stuff is kind of happening right before they leave and then the second half is Nam, which is not but it's not really I mean it's war certainly because they're at war but the majority of what we actually see is them is the is the internment camp right right? Um, or the internment hut I guess really more than anything and they're the prisoners are being they're being forced to to play Russian roulette with one another for the um, for their for the guards Mm -hmm. and then the third half is. they basically have gotten separated. Robert De Niro comes home. Stevie is disabled yeah. and in a hospital. And Nick is missing with nobody knows where he is. Christopher Walken's still in Christopher Walken in Vietnam. He's still in Vietnam, but nobody yeah. knows that. 
Uh, no, uh, they figure De Niro does. Well, they figure it out, but yeah, they don't like when he comes home. He's like, I, he's like, he doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, he has an idea. So that's basically the set of the. That's basically the movie, and it's all about. It's an examination about what war does to people, but but this war particularly. Yeah. Now I can already tell you didn't like this movie. No, because what you just tried telling me, like it's an examination of what this war did to people. No. I don't I don't buy it for a second. I think that's what it's supposed to be, but it does a really bad job at it. Why? This, I disagree. I completely disagree with you. Uh it, in my in my mind, like this in is your mind. this is seventies writing, which I don't typically like to begin with. And this is like the epitome of bad seventies writing. That first hour Because it's realistic dialogue. I don't even, it's not even realistic dialogue. Like that first hour, I can't tell you one thing anybody talked about you know, at all. I actually, I will agree. I absolutely agree with you that the first hour of the movie, I was like, okay, like I get it. Like a lot of this movie, I feel like people were just giving character plot points and it was all right and go. Like it was just like Second City, um... Riffing, kind improv. of I, improv. Thank you. Yeah. Where it was like, we need a we need a setting and we need something to do. Friends' wedding. You're leaving for Vietnam and go. Mm. Um, that being said, nothing I like in this movie. There is there is very little I like this movie except the music. I I love me some good acoustic guitar. Oh, oh we could talk about the music then for a second. This is something you did like. Yeah. Um. I also really liked the music in this movie. I thought that the 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 main theme by Stanley Myers was a great offset to like because you would assume it would kind of be this like maybe this big brassy thing or this right. patriotic thing or yep. something like that. But it's not. It's this very melancholy um, yep. picked guitar. Yeah. And I thought that was. It, it does not. This movie does not. I didn't think this movie glorifies war in. Any stretch of the imagination. No, and in fact, you don't really see it. No, which I also really liked because I'm because because most war movies are about the war, but right. this is about what war does. And the point of even showing the war in this film was about tying it back to everything else in the film, mm-hmm. right? Because the the whole big the whole big thing at the beginning is you know like they're going deer hunting. It's one shot, right? Right. You know, it's you, you got to do it in one shot. That's what I keep trying to tell people. That's it. And then you get to Russian roulette where the whole game is literally about taking one shot. Okay. It's one shot to live, one shot to die. So then it all ties together. So then at the end of the movie and we get into more Russian roulette, it's all the, that one shot brings Nick back because he's suffering post-traumatic stress. He does not. Christopher Walken character does not remember things he is in total he is in total shock he doesn't remember things but when he comes face to face with robert de niro at this russian roulette thing like he remembers one shot and it all brings itself back together in that moment it's weird because um the first the first two hours yeah first two hour christopher walken and the last five minutes christopher walken so you don't really see him in that third hour no you don't um like the first two hours worth of Christopher Walken mm-hmm. are un Christopher Walken like. Like he, he's acting. His acting is un Christopher Walken like. And he becomes Christopher Walken 
in that last. Oh, sure. Like the way he kind of moves and the way he kind of talks. Sure. He, yeah. Um, so I like I saw a different Christopher Walken for a little bit. Sure. But don't forget, he's 79. So he's. He, he's he, not at the character. He's the not. At, he's of he's not a caricature of himself yet. Yeah, just like De Niro is not a caricature of himself. No, yet he is a caricature of Ryan Gosling in this movie. He, what? Yes, he looks like Ryan Gosling. Oh, he does kind of look like a yeah. broad Ryan Gosling. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I can. I didn't know what you were talking about. Um, sure. And Meryl Streep just looks gorgeous. Meryl Streep looks like Meryl Streep. Um, I think she was fine in this movie. As I mean, Meryl, she's kind of. It's the 70s problem again of like Robert De Niro comes home. She was dating Christopher Walken when they left. Yeah, it's so weird. And she, I know. And he comes home and she's like, so want to sleep together? Yeah. So he's like, so Nick's not here? Okay, well, you're around. That's great. No problem. Right. Let's, let's go have I mean, sex. I think there's a little bit of like at the beginning when, when she's asking Christopher Walken to if she can stay at their at their place. No, she's not dating Christopher Walken at the beginning. I think she wants to be because remember because she's hit by that that big guy who's drunk. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know. I can't remember his name. Um, that's who she's seeing. So yeah, but like yeah, so it, she's not actually seeing Nick. It feels like they're together, but it feels like they're together. It feels like they have a connection, but I think that she just. Oh, but it because but there's like, that scene. So like it's shot with. Her asking or talking to Nick outside, and he's asking her why there's a bruise on her face, and mm-hmm. but you, but it's shot as if De Niro's watching their conversation from inside, as in like, or as more as like he is, he's like he wishes he w- there was a separation between right. them where like he wants to be in that position, he wants to be talking to her like that because they make mention of like getting set up with girls and it never works out and like all this stuff. So right. I think that. It works out for him. But 70s movies or a lot of movies go through an era before audiences got real dumb and didn't explicitly say things. They let you figure it out. Right. And I appreciate that more as a as a as a as a viewer than like them turning to the camera and be like, now you see, here's this chart about how <laughs> the progression of our relationship. Yeah, here's the flow chart. Because it's basically what films do now. Yeah. Um, and I don't like that as much. Um, so visually, I liked a lot of shots in this movie. That was the other kind of thing that I really cinematography liked. was great in this um, movie. The only kind of couple of things, like the deer hunting scenes, I really liked how they looked. the The, the uh, landscape looked pretty. It was filmed Although, in Washington. I was gonna say there were times like it just looked like a matte painting. It wasn't. They were everything's on location. Okay, um, um, but. A couple of the things I didn't like is like so when Robert De Niro is tracking the deer mm-hmm. in the first part of the movie, yeah, and it's just like, all right, we need to make this look like movie and glamorous. So go over to that cliff and stand precociously on one rock as you're aiming for the deer. I'm like, that is just a dumb idea. Sure, but it's like a so a lot of those things are like movie things. You know what I mean, like. And sometimes you can get away with it, though. But like this movie, true, tries not to do that uh, until but so, like that one part where they're like, "All right, we're going to be shooting a deer hunting catalog or deer hunting calendar." So go stand on that rock and pose. Yeah, you know, I honestly didn't. It didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even. But other than it. that, like I said, the the stuff in Vietnam looks good. I think that the movie is smart in that it the can one the camera's not afraid to move, which is something which is big. So if you watch like in comparison to say like an unmarried woman where they're like her friends are like at the conversation at the dinner table and they're just like the camera's honest like on a stand 
staring, no cuts, no whatever. Right. It's just looking. It's yeah. kind of it's dull almost. Okay, but this movie, like the camera's not even afraid just to to follow the action. Even like when he's walking through the grocery store. Yeah, you know where we ha- it's on a dolly. Yeah. you know, and it's just like it's not afraid to come with characters and then like when you're like when they're in the internment camp it's right up in their face and yes. you are stuck in with them right and then you're, like you're very close right but it's a lot of wide shots and i think it just works i think it's just they knew how to work the camera really well yeah and this is decades before colorization of films right because like well, starting no, this, with this movie's in color no i mean starting with oh brother where art thou okay the technology you could cut, you could start coloring your film. So if you're filming it and it's green everywhere, but you want it to look stark, you can now make it look tan or mm-hmm. whatever. That started with Oh Brother with Arthur. That's the first movie to do it. Okay. This is decades before that. So this is a movie that had to make use of. Yeah, they had like, to go spray they, paint the grass. Right. Or they had to like wait for the fog to come in or they yeah. had to like that takes time. And that's that's I really appreciated that level of commitment. Yep. And that goes along with the production design. I think everything Yeah. I think everything is really strong and it's grimy where it needs to be and it looks because it's all on location everywhere, yep. so everything is so very authentic you can't help but look away. Although it does have the weirdest ending for a movie that we've seen yet. Just them all gathered around eating eggs, singing God bless America. I I see I kind of like that because they just they just didn't know what to do with themselves and it's so melancholy that they have to like remind themselves of they have to remind themselves of being american or any kind of any kind of goodness left mm-hmm. um but it is one of those moments where like somebody starts and you're not exactly sure how long to continue so everyone's just kind of like i guess we'll just sing the whole song right yeah let's, let's, yeah that, that's a thing we're gonna do now yeah but i i actually really like i i really like that i also like the costumes in here i thought i think it's a little more timeless than than like the quote unquote like the seventies yeah. look. Um yeah, they're not like walking around in bell bottoms. No, exactly. Um but uh and I really liked um uh, De Niro's look when he came back from the war. Mm-hmm. His coat with the collar and stuff. He yeah. looked really he looked really good. Um and he wore that everywhere. Literally everywhere. Yeah. So so that's the so that's the deer hunter. Yeah. So the um so the Oscar goes to unmarried woman. No, the deer hunter. You're no, wrong. No, you're wrong. <laughs> you are. You're wrong. No, Sorry. No, I'm not. No, deer sir. hunter was was my second lowest rated. Nope, deer hunter was it. it heaven just, can wait was lower. It all to, heaven can wait was my lowest too. Yeah. Um, and it was just because it was average on every scale. Yeah, mine would have been, um, mine would have been coming home or the deer hunter, which. You know me. I don't. I don't love war movies, but I liked these movies maybe particularly because they were not about war, but about the effects of war, mm-hmm. and that's just more interesting to me. But I thought I, I thought it the the writing was really smart, and it all just tied together so very well. Um, even little stuff like like the the internment camp on the River Kwai, um look kind of like ha- like was reminiscent of his little cabin out in the mountains for deer hunting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I just like I really liked all of that together. And then like 
Christopher Walken like looks down at one point when they're in Vietnam and he says, oh, look at all the elephants. And then when they open the suitcase, there's all these elephants in there. And like those little things visually or like would right. tie you back to like see everything back together. And that's what all the other movies were basically yeah. missing. Um, to me, the deer hunter, just the biggest problem with me with the deer hunter was the writing. There was nothing else that I really hated except the writing. Which is arguably a, a huge thing. Sure. Um, whereas Unmarried Woman, I feel, had the best acting out of all the movies. Because it's very, it lives and dies by her acting. By her acting, but the other movies live and die by the acting of everybody. Right. But I believe her acting is just so good in it. Like the times that she's alone and she's acting kind of quirky in that. I'm like, yeah, no, I like that's that stuff I do when I'm alone. So you like it the most, I think, because you, you because it was realistic. It was to you. It was real. I think it was. Re- don't get me wrong. I think it yeah. was realistic. But but I think. Actually, I think Deer Hunter was also incredibly realistic until basically the third act. I think that was the part where it became more like a movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it was all pretty realistic. Um so anyway, so that's it. So yeah. you can uh, you can tell us what your favorite movie, your your pick is. Um, you can uh, email us at academyrewind at gmail dot com, or you can tweet at us at Academy Rewind. You can find uh, you can find other shows under Thoughtable Audio, Beer with Geeks, Supergirl TV Talk, Marketers Next Door, all over the place. If you are interested in more things like this or things not like this, this whole range of options. Yeah. Um. You can also you can also um. Uh, you can also help us out and subscribe to our Patreon and give us a little bit of a donation every every uh, month to keep the lights running as little as a dollar. All the all the rewards are there on our Patreon page at Thought Bubble Audio. Palmer, the music yes. is taking us away. No, but I have so many more people to thank. Nope, too bad. You're no. out. Bye. Bye.